Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uncle Chill, Uncle Chill. There's no bad guy like Uncle Chill.
What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. RDA versus Felder. So many storylines going in, and we talked about this over here. Do not default to the old lazy adage of this is a striker in Felder versus a grappler in RDA. RDA will put your lights out on, on his feet, and Felder's extremely hard to take down and can take care of himself on the ground. I mean, it's just not one of those things that's like this old-school mindset. And, and so many times I see that we fall back into it, but the top guys aren't out there boxing and wrestling. Or I apologize, they're not boxing or wrestling. They're boxing and wrestling. That's what MMA is. So I think when we saw this fight, I mean, it was great, right? In all fairness, RDA reminded us how good he is. Paul Felder went out and reinforced for all of us just how damn tough he is. And the story of the fight and the X's and O's and who punched and kicked more and who pushed the pace in the take test. Okay, great. That's the entertainment side. I hope you enjoyed it. But there was more going into this. Paul Felder took this fight on extremely short notice, which meant he had to make weight on even shorter notice and did. Meanwhile, somebody else on the card who knew about this fight for three months missed weight. Do you, do, do you see where do you see where that becomes frustrating? You guys will remember Adesanya in his last fight had two teammates on the card, and his po- part of his post-fight interview was telling Dana, "Please do something about this. Take eighty percent of their money, not twenty percent of their money." Just to share with you where that is coming from, though, I don't know if anything could be more crystal clear than Paul Felder not even knowing about the fight and suffering and doing what he said he would do in the time that he said he would do it, no matter how bad the deck was stacked against him and somebody else on the card who knew all about it for three months missed weight. That's not to kick the guy who missed weight. By the way, it's to add a little bit to the idea that Adesanya is bringing up that there needs to be something more done. The motivations in place right now are apparently, apparently not motivating enough. They're just not, and it's a new school mindset. I come from the old school, but I will tell you, nobody missed weight. It is a new phenomenon against these fake tough guys. And the sport used to be all tough guys, but there also used to be five and six events a year. It was very competitive. Now when you have 52 events a year, just in one organization, you got 24 in another, you start spreading the butter around, you you start taking these guys that aren't real tough guys. Paul Felder's a tough guy, and he made weight. And the biggest story coming out of that fight was that two of the judges have all five rounds for RDA. One judge has the entire fight for Paul Felder. Now, why that is peculiar, that is peculiar. What's bothersome is that's the end of it. There will be no, hey, come in the back room. Tell me what you saw. You saw something very different than your fellow licensed cohorts. What was it? And we could probably live with that. Whatever the answer was, I mean, I think that that judge needs to say what he saw. He needs to mark what it is he saw. And if he saw something and interpreted it different, he is well within his rights to mark it for whoever the hell that he wants. But the ongoing theme in Nevada is absolutely nothing happens, particularly when it doesn't outweigh a fight itself. When RDA, who was the clear winner of the fight, did win the fight. Particularly in the vet that everybody just gets up and goes home. Just one of those things, because meanwhile, there's a boxing event taking place. And the boxing event has a guy who was warned in the first round for an accidental headbutt. The referee had brought this to everyone's attention. There was an accidental headbutt. They continue the fight. In the second round, the gentleman who was headbutt 
now has a swollen eye, the eye is closed. So the referee was attempting to say this is a no contest. I'm happy to stop the fight, even though it's in a second round. For an infraction that happened in the first round, we're just going to call this whole fight off. So the commission sits ringside and watches the entire replay. It takes them 26 minutes. Where the two athletes are standing in the ring, the audience is sitting there bored, the promoter is begging that his camera time isn't completely shot. 26 minutes. They never once saw a headbutt. They saw a jab go right into this guy's eye to close his eye and then decided after the 26 minutes to back the referee and call him no contest. And you're kind of sitting there going, what are we doing here? What are we doing here and why are we here, right? No matter how many more steps of complexities and sophistication you want to put on something as dumbed down and stupid as a a, a fight, you're only going to trick the system even worse. Why were they even watching an instant replay? A number of years ago, that wasn't a thing. It became this big thing that instant replay be invoked. The theory behind instant replay is so that you can call the damn thing correctly. You can call it straight. You can get an analysis and get a second look. That's the theory behind it. But when the people within it don't have the intelligence to use the mechanisms in place appropriately, you just end up with a bigger disaster. There's discussions going on now that the three judges aren't enough. Let's bring in five. In fact, let's bring in seven. Now, I, nobody, nobody discusses where those seven are even going to sit or how they're going to do this from a logistics standpoint, but somehow the more is better. Why would seven beat judges be better than three? You have three judges. Two of them believe one guy won every single round. Another judge thinks the other athlete won the fight. You have a commission that steps in to review a film, 26 minutes, never sees a headbutt take place, and decides to go with the referee anyway. Does the referee have that authority? Does he have the authority to make a decision, right, wrong, or indifferent? I don't know the answer to that question. Does he have that authority? Does the commission have the ability to override him? Because if the answer is yes, the referee has what's called discretion, as he does in most other sports, which means he can even get it wrong, then why would we go to the damn review in the first place? And if you go to a review and nothing's there, it's one of these things, Right? The experts can tell us all about the dinosaurs that became extinct 60 million years ago. They can't tell us who shot JFK 60 years ago, and they have that on video. So you start to wonder, why do we want to keep on adding measures and make... Now they're talking about doing this open scoring. I don't have a a dog in that fight. I give a damn if they do open scoring or not. I'm only bringing to you the point that no matter how many things you do to be sophisticated to make sure that you get to a better and more appropriate result, if you have the same people that are running, if they've screwed up everything else, why? you think you're going to think of something that's dummy-proof? In no other walk of life would this happen. That's a big blunder. Who did it? Meanwhile, over in the MMA world, we got a big discrepancy here. How did we get here? Any other walk of life. Nevada, you get up and go home. You're a fighter. You have an infraction. You will come to a meeting. They will sit there. They will attempt to shame you. They will look down on you. They will talk down to you. They are the smallest dot on the political map. There is nothing smaller than a commission, but they will come into that room with all the authority that ever made them sign up in that job for the first place. They get one wrong. Shale comes over and makes a video about it. 
Then I get an email from them later. Hey, why'd you say all those things? Why'd I say those? That, that's what happened. I haven't even passed judgment on it. I'm leaving that to the audience to do. I'm just taking a little bit of a tone. I haven't said a damn thing here. You had a boxing fight where you had a 26-minute review and came to the same conclusion that the referee had come to before the review ever took place. That should be embarrassing for you. Very. Had you come to a different opinion of which would have involved that you actually watched the tape for 26 minutes. Now you got a problem with the referee who made a call that turned out not to be true. You have a problem either way. Meanwhile, three licensed judges, two of them, one guy pitched a shutout, other judge, guy didn't even win the fight. It's a lot to think about, but it's one of these stories that isn't going to go away. And when you try to get some smart guy in the room, having a smart guy about fighting, I mean, do you see the problem to start with? Do you see the problem with that title? I'm I'm an expert on rules of fighting. You're a what? And what college did you get that degree from? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it, but I'm an expert on the rules of fighting. Why are you an expert on the rules of fighting? Well, you sit around and think about this stuff? You wrote a dissertation? You did a thesis? You presented this? You were approved? You were accredited? What do you mean I'm an expert in the rules of fighting? But you always get some guy that wants to come. Here's how you fix it. You do open scoring. You bring in more judges. We bring in an instant replay. We have an analysis. We're going to do all these things at the fight. None of them we get right. Oh, you know, I I wish somebody would have brought this to our attention. We could do something called checks and balances with the leadership that passes these rules that has no integrity to enforce them. Any other walk of life, that problem would be solved quickly. DC and John Jones appear to be working things back up. And you know what? The world of MMA feels better when those two don't get along. The, the only part that ever, that doesn't feel right, is when they started being chummy just for a minute there. They started, like, saying nice things to each other on social media. And let bygones be bygones. That never felt right. It feels better when they're going at it. There is some feuds where you don't want them to make up. You just don't, even for nostalgia reasons, even just to look back. But that really is one. John Jones and Daniel Cormier could fight 10 times. It would not matter what the result of those matches were. All 10 times, everybody's going to stop what they're doing, be excited, and the arena's going to be full. It's just, it's just one of those things. And Daniel had come out, and he was talking about John Jones, and he said that he cannot put John Jones on a pound-for-pound list because of all of the failed drug tests, and that there's a precedent set in other sports, baseball specifically, where you have the Maguires and the Bonds of the world, and they put an asterisk next to their name. And in all fairness, I don't believe Barry Bonds ever failed a test, and I don't believe Maguire ever did. It was well known what was happening, but I don't believe they failed a the test. They still have an asterisk. Set that part of the story. Set. Just making Daniel's point, which is there is a precedent set in other sports. In World and Olympic and NCAA competition, they will come back after the fact, test those samples up to 10 years later, and if they find something with the new procedures, they will strip you of your medal. And his simple argument was, if we're going to take our cues from other sports that have been here first, then it has to carry over this one, which means John doesn't get to go on the list. It's not all that complex of a statement. It's really not all that controversial of a statement by Daniel. It was a very simple and basic statement. I want to share with you that Daniel's opinion and the way he's going to look at this, he does have the right to his own opinion. 
because he was the one in there with John Jones with a life work and a life's goal and a dream on the line in front of the world, wearing the short pants and having the mouthpiece in, and came up second against a guy who was dirty, not once, but twice. Who had a third fight, supposed to be the second fight, another fight scheduled for UFC 200 that got canceled for another failed drug test. So you have that. John Jones, of course, is going to fire back. And when John fired back, he said, I was proved innocent. Now, if this were me, literally, literally, if this were me, and I used to have the record for failed drug tests, John Jones came and took that record away from me. But if it were me and I ever came out and told you guys that I was vindicated and ruled innocent, I would be doing what's called trolling. I would be making a statement so stupid and silly with a straight face to get you to react and be mad. When John does it, he's trying to be sincere. So John failed three drug tests, and this is off the top of my head. He gets popped for cocaine, he gets popped for steroids, and then he gets hit on on this picogram business. So they looked into the picograms and they ruled that that was, yes, illegal what he had, but it was in an amount that was so small that therefore it does not matter. We are not going to rule on it. Okay, fine. That's the governing body. This is the decision they came to, but that is what happened. So John is trying to say that the picogram business, because that was ruled in his favor, he is therefore innocent, letting the other infractions go. Now, if I would have done that, I would have been working you. I would have been trolling you. I would have been checking my social media and refreshing it every 30 seconds, laughing to myself at you guys. Chael, how can you say that? that was for one of the infractions? What about the cocaine? And what about the steroids you got hit for? And I'd be sitting back acting like it never happened. What, what's funny with John is he's being sincere. He thinks the, the clearance of the picograms, right? He failed a drug test. But somehow a failure no longer became a failure. Okay, okay fine. I mean, right, we, will, we will adhere to the rules. We will fiercely adhere to the rules that we make up on the spot. Good with the whole thing. I got no problem with it. But there was two other tests. There was just two other tests. I can tell you as a parent, you tell your, if you tell your kid, don't turn the light on. If he turns the light on and turns it right back off, or he turns the light on and he leaves it there for an hour, it's, that's really not the point. You said not to turn the light on. He turned the light on, right? I mean, it's one of those things. There's going to be a disciplinary action now. And John Jones is kind of looking at like, I ordered pizza. I paid for the pizza. I ate all of the pizza. But you guys come here now and there's no pizza in the house. So it would appear that there's no pizza. But there was pizza and you ate the pizza. There's no pizza here now. Wait, what just happened? It's, it's one of these things. So you can see where Daniel's not going to let that go, right? If John had just come clean, come clean as quickly as you can to whatever authoritative body you have overseeing sport, whole thing goes away. It's the very thing that got Lance Armstrong in so much trouble. Lance didn't do anything that all those other guys that won that didn't do as well. A lot of them popped, a lot of them hit, but Lance denied it forever. He just kept denying it. So it just kept going. $50 million, and a decade later, it's just still going. It would have come clean. right? I mean, you just see the difference. So that was kind of the thing with John. I think Daniel's going, look, John, you have done a number of good things since being clean. 
You're the champion of the world. Your fights are a hell of a lot closer and you're losing a lot more rounds now. But you're still the champ. Fresh slate, good run. However, we're going to take these other ones off the board. We can't use them. You were dirty. Caught. Caught again. Caught a third time. You were dirty. Turn a new leaf and I wish you the best of luck. I think everybody could go home there. And John could reclaim without argument his position in the sport. His position amongst the greats ever in the sport. There seems to be a frustration to let that happen until he comes clean. Right? It's, just, it's just one of these things. Perhaps it is true that the truth will set you free. And perhaps it's better for headlines when you're in the entertainment business to keep them guessing. This is Your Welcome with Jail Sonnen. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you want to know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Now, back to your welcome with Jail Sonnen. Masvidal and Colby, what, what is going on there, right? Because, I mean, if you look at 170 pounds as a whole, it appears that we got a lot of questions answered. Right? I mean, we just do. We know who's fighting for the championship next. Usman and Burns. We understand that Leon is going to fight Hosmet. We know that Nate Diaz is not going to return until 2021, just by example. We see that Tyron Woodley is going to be looking to reform himself. Some rumors even that he's leaving the weight class. Maybe that rumor started by me, but I'd like to see Tyron up at middleweight. I share this with you because as you start to see the pieces come off the board, you still have this mega fight that has to happen at some time. And the story itself between Colby and Masvidal, it's too hot. Teammates, roommates, buddies, split. Masvidal goes on to be the biggest star in the sport. Covington, top guy in the division. Masvidal, BMF champion. Colby, number one contender. I mean, it's one of these things. And now Colby's left the gym. I mean, wait till you get that whole story. I don't have it myself. I don't know what happened. I don't know if Masvidal was behind that. I know he had heat in there with, I'm talking Colby, he had heat in there with Poirier. Remember something, Joanna Champion was coming out. To, I mean, it was one of these things. He needed to go and he left, but there's still a story there. I mean, that fight only gets bigger and better. You want to know a clue. This is a light clue. This is a speculative clue. But you guys will recall when Masvidal was at a rally for the president. And the president was at the bully pulpit and he talked about Masvidal, talked about his five-second knockout of, of Ben Asker. You guys saw this, right? And he said, I talked with Dana and I know you have something very big coming up. And I will be watching. But he didn't say anything more. He didn't, president didn't say anything more, including, I hope you win. He just said, I'll be watching. Now, I only bring that to you because the president's also close with Colby. So if that fight was going to be with Colby, you could see where the president was simply letting him know, it's going to be a big fight. I will be watching. Am I drawing too much from that? Mm, yeah, yes, I am. But there's only so much that you can draw from that. What is, the president says, I just talked to Dana. He looks right at Masvidal and says, you got something big coming up? 
Whatever Masvidal does next is going to be big. It's Masvidal. Biggest star in the sport right now. But there's not a whole lot of players left on the board. There's just not. Could also be looking at this all wrong. In all fairness, I could be. Because for some reason, Usman Burns has been pushed to 2021 and is still without a date. Is that looking to be broken up? Now I'm really speculating. But it's all the clues that we have. We don't have a whole lot of information, so we're kind of left to guess. And imagine Masvidal is going to go break that. Well, then what's Colby going to do? Just imagine. I don't predict that for you. I do believe that Burns and Masvidal are, that Burns and Usman are going to fight. Imagine Masvidal's interrupting that, though. He's going to go and rematch Usman. Does that mean Colby fights Burns? Colby fights Burns, but Hosmet Shemaev gets over on Leon Edwards. All of a sudden, Hosmet's going to be fighting for a world championship. Now they all have to sit and wait. I've just said the, it's a, it, the division's very interesting right now. It's very interesting. And it, I, I don't know what is keeping Masvidal and Colby apart, but there's something. And it might be them, by the way. They both felt each other. They might have a little bit more respect for one another than they're letting on through the media. Something is delaying that match. Oh, by the way, something is delaying both of them from getting a match. The former champion, the sitting BMF champion, both without fights? What's the holdup there? Legit question. If you guys know, give me the scoop. So Khabib is still in the USADA testing pool. What does that mean? What are we to draw from that? And I will tell you, it's very hard to leave the pool and then re-enter. Like, if you go into retirement and they don't, so, so you're out of the pool, by example, and Khabib is allegedly retired. But you also can't be in the sport and not be in the pool. See where this is cart and horse a little bit? See how they, they have to go hand in hand? So, and Usada's reasoning is this. If you're in the pool for X amount of time, but you then leave the pool in this retirement, then all of a sudden you come out and go, you know what? I changed my mind. So I was going, just a second. How do we know you didn't go on a, on a pet holiday? That is suspicious to us. We will give the benefit of the doubt to a brand new guy. It's Monday. Guy signs a contract. He's fighting on Saturday. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We are less likely to give the benefit of a doubt to a sitting athlete who leaves but then returns a couple of months later. They have their reasoning for that. I'm just sharing with you what the way that works. So it's a little bit tough when you come back in. I, th I think you have to sit for four months. I know you have to sit for two. I know you have to sit for two, but it might be four. And if you have an infraction anywhere in your past, it's six. That was the thing with Brock Lesnar when there was all this talk that Brock was going to come in and Brock was going to save the day and Brock was going to be a last-minute where you knew that that was just talk because the calendar just didn't work. Brock would have to come back, finish a suspension. He never finished his first suspension when he got popped after Mark Hunt. He just walked away and said, well, I'm done. There's nothing you could do to me anyway because I'm not coming back. So he'd have to finish that, and then he would have the six months. And the only question was, can those run concurrent? But that was part of the reason you knew this, this Brock talk isn't real. The calendar just doesn't, it just doesn't work. He's going to come in and fight Daniel in 10 months. It just, it, things just didn't work. So I bring this to you because Khabib is still in the pool. Now, how do you get out of the pool? I believe he could go to the website and remove himself from the pool. However, there's something known as a whereabouts violation. 
You have to make your whereabouts known 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter what that means or where you are. And you can do that online. It's very simple and very easy to do. You just have to think to do it and make sure you have your logistics down. Because if they show up to test you at a place that you claim you are and you aren't there, that's a strike. You get three of those. In a calendar year, you get three of those. They give a little leeway, understanding the athlete for whatever reason. Slipped his mind, internet went down, change of plans, forgot that. They understand that things can end. So they give you three of those. I bring that to you because this was actually tested, and it was tested by Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz had left the sport. He had retired. He had told the whole world, I am retired. USADA then showed up, not once, not twice, but three times, and hit him on a violation. And Nick's going, wait a minute, I'm retired. You have no right to test me. You have no right to test me, to sanction me, to say, I, I do not owe you my whereabouts. I am retired. I said it on Fox Sports. I am retired. Well, that, that was very real. It was. And I can't remember how that whole thing got resolved. Nick might have prevailed, but it was retested another time by Conor McGregor, who retired, and Dana came out right on his heels and goes, no, he doesn't. That statement has direct ramifications to USADA. Conor was out there talking. He was marketing. He is absolutely not retired. Because if you retire and leave to come back in, you have the form. I mean, you see what I'm saying? You see where this gets a little bit sensitive? And USADA's really never been jerks about anything. They understand that people don't understand. Like, USADA's never, ever done a gotcha. Never. Never that I've ever heard of. They're very reasonable to educate you and smarten you and make sure that you don't go out and say you're retired if you're not retired. But then when the shoe's on the other foot and Nick Diaz says, I am retired and you all knew I was retired and now you're showing up and you're coming out and telling the world that I'm ducking you, I don't owe you anything, and you don't have the right to sanction me. I can't remember how, I can't remember who prevailed in that, but I don't remember Nick having to serve a suspension for that. And it was very relevant because Nick got hit on the marijuana. You have three strikes, you're out for life. Lifetime ban. And that would have at least been two, even though the marijuana rules have now changed it would have been one of these extra strikes. I bring that up to you. I'm actually thinking out loud as I'm talking to you. I can't remember who prevailed on that. But it is relevant that Khabib has come out and said, I am retired. Is he updating his whereabouts? If he's updating his whereabouts, then he's not fully committed to the idea of being retired. If he hasn't updated his whereabouts and USADA shows up one, two, three times, he's going to be suspended. Or is he out of the pool right now because he publicly came out and said, I'm retired. It's the same argument Nick tried to make. I just can't remember if Nick won on that. I really can't remember. This is Your Welcome with Jail Sonnen. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Guys, do you need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, free, no subscription, no fees. Imagine, 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge watch. You're going to binge shows. You're going to be up to speed on the latest news. You're going to catch live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. Now back to your welcome with Jail Sonnen. Oh, check out these fight announcements. What a good day this was. 
So in the same day, we get the news. Max Holloway is going to fight uh, Calvin Cater. And we get the news that Uriah Hall is going to fight Chris Weidman. Now, back up. Let's do these in order. First off, I believe Max Holloway to be the best 45-pounder in the world. I thought he beat Volkanovski. And I'm getting a little tired of saying that because I, I, I know that I am now being a complete scumbag to Volkanovski. Who not only did everything, who not only did nothing wrong, he did everything right. He worked his way to max. He took the opportunity. He grounded out for 25 minutes and he listened to the judges who said he won. Jerks like me and you, in fairness, we did this together. You guys went along, you guys went along this with me. Thought that Max should get a rematch because we didn't like the outcome of the first match. So they rematched him. Now the rematch was even more clear that Max won. It was more, it was three rounds to two. Any way you want to do it, one judge agreed. The other two did not. So now you come back to being a jerk to Volkanovsky who did everything he was asked to do. Got there the hard way, took out the greatest, came back and fought the greatest to get him. And a guy wants some parody, a guy wants some fresh blood. Volkanovsky did not want Max a second time. He wanted somebody new, but he did it anyway. On a different continent in the middle of a pandemic. Volkanovsky is awesome. He did everything right. I'm talking Max right now, though, and I thought Max won those fights. So I bring that up because if, if, I, if I'm right, okay, if Max is the rightful holder to the throne, and now you have the best guy in the world floating around a division, you see where this becomes a problem because you kind of juxtapose that with Calvin Cater, who might be the best guy that nobody talks about. And Cater's starting to get his rub. I realize this is starting to change. He's returning to yet another main event, which I believe marks his third main event. Cater is getting his rub, but I still think he's the best fighter that nobody talks about, respectively. So, you got to break that fight down, because one thing that Max loves to do is Western box, Queens Bear rules. That's what Cater does. Max is very long and will, and will hit you with a wildly high, absorbent amount of punches. Nick Diaz style. I mean, he is not going to put you down with one shot like Francis. He is going to touch you and touch you, and those punches are in bunches, and he's going to touch you, and he's going to go to the bottom, and he's going to come back up. I mean, he's just a volume fighter. Cater's a straight-up sniper. Cater is so fast, so fast. I mean, if you want to break down the X's and O's, we're going to see two guys box under the MMA Unified Rules and four-ounce gloves. That's what you're going to see. So don't think you have to get into who the best is and start telling the story and reading the resumes of either one of these guys. Ask yourself one question. Who is going to be the better boxer? Because you're going to see a boxing match. And you know it almost looks like a boxing match where one guy cheats because they'll throw a kick in there somewhere or they'll grab each other and try to throw a knee to the butt. You see 25 minutes of fighting, you are going to see 23 and a half minutes of boxing. Guaranteed. And that's where things do start to get a little bit weird. I mean, the number one thing that you want in boxing, number one, you don't, you, it wouldn't be size, it wouldn't be reach. It wouldn't be power, it would be speed. You want to be faster than the other guy. I think that Cater's faster than Max. But the number two thing that you want is to have more output. That's going to go to Max. It's one of these things. This is a weird, weird match. That, that had the deck been cut differently would be for the world championship. Because Max would be bringing it. It's a very meaningful match. And guess what? I don't even know this is the number one contenders match. 
I don't know that it is. Because at some point, the beat and your ear are going to fight. That's been booked and it's been postponed. When that fight happens, all of a sudden you're going to be looking at that one as the number one contender's fight. So it's, just, it's one of these things. You found the four right guys. You got a hold of the right tool, but by the wrong end, perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps the winner of this fight is the number one. I'm just sharing with you that division is so nasty right now. It is so nasty that Cater and Holloway are going to go out and fight with possibly nothing on it. It's not for the strap because Max isn't bringing it, and it may not even be enough for the number one contendership, and they might be the two best guys in the world. On any other given Saturday, that is for the world title. Think about that. Let that set in. And think about who you think the better boxer is. So whoever you think the better boxer is is who you think is going to win this fight. Okay. Take a look at the other one, which is Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Now, this one's a little bit more personal to me. Tell you why. The day I meet Uriah Hall is on the set of The Ultimate Fighter. And you don't have much as a coach. And they, they don't want you to have much, right? Like, I can't know who's on there. And John Jones doesn't. I now have an advantage when it comes to picking teams. And the same would go if John. So we both sit down. We both get a stack. They're separate. We don't, we don't even put eyes on them until they walk out. It's one of the rules to the show to preserve the integrity. Share that with you. Maybe, maybe you didn't know that and thought that was interesting. So all I have is a piece of paper. And the guys, something and one. It was something good. It was 11 and one. It was 15 and one. It was something and one came from Tiger Sulman Karate, Uriah Hall did. So he comes out, and I mean, this guy's just a straight-up athlete. He's got the eye of the tiger in his face to start with. His body looks like he's carved out of stone. He's lightning fast, and he's a little bit funky. I mean, he's a little bit unorthodox. He'll jab you in the mouth a few times. You think a cross is coming, he'll, he'll hit a spin kick to your head. I mean, he, it was one of these things where, whoa, something special's happening here. By the way, Who's that one? So after we picked teams and now I'm visiting with him, hey, Uriah, by the way, see you came in second one time. Who got you? He, it was Chris Weidman. It's Chris Weidman. And Uriah has been wanting that rematch and he has been wanting Chris Weidman. At the time that this happened, Anderson was the champion of the world. Weidman was the number one contender. So after the show wrapped, those two finally fought and Weidman became the champion. And Uriah, even at that time, did not want Anderson. He wanted to be the champion, but he didn't want Anderson. He wanted Chris Weidman. And there was even a backstory between those two. I mean, they fought out in New York. Well, they're both from New York. Uriah came over from Jamaica as a kid, but he was, he was growing up on the, you know, in New York. Weidman, born and raised, set up a family, set up a business. I mean, he's a New Yorker, so these two, they were undefeated, both of them, at the time they fought. And Weidman out-wrestled him. I think, I, think uh, I, I think Weidman finished him with a TKO. Got him down and ground and pounded him. But Uriah Hall didn't have coaches. He, he was with Tiger Solman. They were doing karate. He had a dream on his own to be a mixed martial arts fighter. So he's trying to learn how to do all of the positions and the transitions, learn the conditioning on his own. He wasn't part of an MMA team. It was just different. So Uriah knew that about himself. Once he got a little bit smarter to the world, he started to realize, he started to know what he didn't know, which was at that night, based on the skills and experiences I had, I was not going to deal with an All-American wrestler. However, I believe things are different now. Now, I'm, I'm telling you a story from 2014. 2013. 
Uriah has wanted to fight Chris Weidman for seven years. Irrespective of the championship that eventually Weidman claimed, had nothing to do with that. Had to do with the night that he suffered defeat at the hands of a fellow New Yorker. First loss of his life based on a position he was not yet trained in. That was seven years ago that I heard about that. I'd have to look up to see when that fight was. That fight could have been nine years ago. Probably was. Nine years in the making. Ryle Hall has wanted a rematch with Chris Weidman. And I find out today, he's going to get it. Chemayev got into the rankings. They put him at number 15. First time ranked in the world. And they put him at number 15 at welterweight. So here's my question for you. Should he be ranked? No, of course he should not be ranked. It's ridiculous. I would also argue for you that I would have no problem with him being the number one contender and fighting for a world championship. Chael, how do those two statements go together? Okay, you know what? I don't completely know. But let, let's work through this together, okay? Because there's a significant difference in your ranking and your contendership, right? There's a significant difference in what you were ranked versus your placement on the card, which is the most important thing. It is much better to be a co-main event, or in his case, a main event, with no ranking next to your name. So that they're not totally hand-in-hand. As far as should he be ranked? No, of course not. That's silly. He's fought three times, once at welterweight. How do you rank a guy at welterweight who's only fought at welterweight one time? And you could find some exceptions to the rule. Sure you could. Khabib Nurmagomedov just moved up. Does he get a rank? Uh, Okay. George St. Pierre is coming back. Does he get a rank? I understand these things. He's fought three times overall and only one within the weight class. And he didn't beat any ranked guys. So does he deserve a ranking? No. Do I fully believe that he is in the top 15? Yes, of course I do. But the mere fact that he got the number 15 ranking when he's about to be a main event a three-to-one favorite on the lines in Las Vegas against Leon Edwards, who's officially ranked number three in the weight class. The, the fact that they gave him a 15 is a bunch of crap. I mean, if you're going to rank the son of a bitch out of nowhere based on nothing but hype and what your, your lion eyes have told you, the three brief minutes he's ever been inside of the octagon, if you're going to give him the ranking he deserves, put him at number two. Give him the ranking that your eyes and the hype and the experts in Vegas and the promoter Dana White himself say he should have. Put it number four. Put him at number one. To put him into a ranking when he didn't beat any ranked guys. So he takes somebody's spot away. When you've seen him less than three minutes, only one time in the weight class, we all watched it. You watched it and I watched it and you couldn't tell me who he beat. You could not tell me who he beat at welterweight and you watched it. And I couldn't tell you, and I watched it. So if we're going to be silly, but at the same time, we're going to be experts that know what we're looking at. And we are all experts, and we do know what we're looking at. You have something very special here. Give him the damn ranking that he deserves. If you're going to pull a screw job on somebody within the division who doesn't deserve to be kicked out of the division, but has to be kicked out of the division so that Shemayev can enter the division as far as the ranking, then give him what he deserves and put him up there towards the top. And when I'm telling you that, no, he should not be ranked in the top 15 but I got no problem with him fighting for a title. There's other things at play there, starting with the fact that this is a volunteer army. Who is going to raise their hand and be willing to step in? And in his case, it's anybody, anytime, at two different weight classes. I mean, he's kind of put the promotion's feet to the fire on this one. 
right? I mean, it's pretty easy for the promotion to go, listen, you're doing everything right. We're noticing you, but, you know, we're, we're a little jammed up here. Just, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Your time will come. It's a little bit hard when he's covering the spread in two different fields, right? It's kind of hard to say, well, you know, we're a little jammed up. You're jammed up in two different weight classes? I'll fight this week and next week or the one after that. I mean, it's, it just gets a little bit hard to start to deny a guy. You just kind of run out of excuses when the guy is willing to do anything with anybody on any given night. So I don't agree with the rankings. I think whatever wimp sits over there and gets bullied. I, I mean, the, we got some dumb people in this sport, but nobody dumber than the rankings. So there's, the, the only way that you could have somebody that dumb is if he's just not controlling the strings. If he's just sitting in the cubicle somewhere, he's got a pen and a piece of paper. He's got to write some name downs every, every Tuesday by 8 a.m. He gets a phone call. Somebody else tells him what to put down. He puts it down. I mean, right, nobody is this stupid. Even within this sport, you're going to hijack a ranking by putting a guy who's never beat anybody ranked and has only been in the weight one time. You're going to hijack the ranking. You're going to kick somebody out of there who deserves to be in there. But then you don't quite have the balls You have the creativity and the willingness, but you don't quite have the balls to then put him where he should go. Number one, number three, number five. Yeah, I can't go less than five. I'd like to. I was going to throw a seven out there. Just do some odd numbers. I can't even go to seven. Can you? You guys are experts in this. Your your eyes are as good as mine. Do you have Chemayev? Do you you believe there's seven guys in the division that can beat Chemayev? See the problem? John Jones had made an interesting statement, too. John Jones had come out. He was at a message for Izzy Adesanya, and he said, there's no red panty night without me. And it just makes you think, because that is the fight. I mean, John is not without an argument here. John has made it very clear what his objective is, and it is a cash grab. I'm going to grab as much cash as I can. Whoever it is, I'll do it, but that's my objective. Okay. John had to leave a division. He's so undesirable to watch. He gets back. He was one of the most beautiful contracts you can imagine, but he has to hit certain thresholds and he doesn't hit them. So that check just doesn't come for what he wants it to come for. So is he right that Adesanya is the perfect dance partner for him? Yeah, he is. No red panty night without me. Okay. Adesanya has the all time live attendance record 57,000. He's the fastest rising star in the sport. He was voted fighter of the year and fight of the year against Gatslam. He is now about to uh, embarge on the champ-champ scenario, making him go down amongst uh, the greatest legends of all time. There's plenty of things for Izzy Adesanya to do. That is my point. John Jones, who's been here six times longer than Izzy, has zero records. He does not have a live gate. He does not have a live attendance. He does not have a pay-per-view record. None. Never did. Not like he had it, and then, you know, Connor came back, or, you know, Brock swooped in and stole everybody's stuff. Never had it. Never broken the top five in any of them. Doesn't have a t-shirt record. He does not sell. Period. So is he right to tell Adesanya that the the biggest fight you can have is with me? He he is right about that. That's the biggest fight I can think of in the entire industry. Any promotion, co-promote, any way you want to do it, that is the biggest fight you can make right now. But whatever Izzy does next is guaranteed to be special, and the same cannot be said for John. So Usman Burns finally got a date. It's going to go down in February. And we were hearing these rumblings, right? I mean, this wasn't some secret. Burns was identified as a number one contender. I'm backing up. Burns is identified as a number one contender after he beats T-Wood. 
He's going to go on to fight Usman. A lot of guys had a problem with that, except Dana White, who said, no, this is what it is, and we're going to do this. Then Burns gets hit with COVID and misses the fight, but they don't scrap it. They just make it get better. We're not taking this opportunity from you. But then it never came back in terms of when. So it's been rumored it was going to be in February. It is now in February. Great. But it doesn't add any clarity to that division. I mean, that division, you're moving in a lot of directions. Like, here, let me ask you a question. Before you answer, because we all see the, the pieces that are on the table, which is Masvidal, Colby, what in the hell is the holdup? But let me ask you this. We have been seeing a lot of guys fill in. Call it the backup fighter, right? So are you going to have a backup fighter for the world title fight? Probably. You probably are, unless you're going to do a co-main event within the same weight class with two studs. That's the other way that the UFC will skin the cat. They'll just load the main card, but with guys within the weight class in case something happens. You pull this guy out, you put him there, you've still got a main event. Okay. Because I bring that to you because where's Chemayev in in all of this? I would think that Chemayev would be the perfect guy with a win over Leon. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Or Leon with a win over Chemayev, in all fairness, right? But I would think they would be the perfect backup fighter. February is not that far away. And I know the Chemayev gimmick is run him out there and run him out there again. I get all of those things, but if you're talking about a world championship and now you're talking about coming off the number three guy in the world in your first ever main event, at some point you've got to put the brakes on the gimmick and you've got to focus on the title. But I think the same could go for Leon. Leon's done everything right too. If you're looking for a backup fighter for that night, I, I think a very good place to go. It doesn't make you a number one contender necessarily. We have seen very good things historically speaking with guys who have been the backup fighter. We have seen them get drawn in and become number one contenders. That's how Usman became a number one contender, just by example. He was backup fighter for Till versus Woodley, just by example. So we start to see these guys that, that do hatch into that, and it would seem as though when you're looking at the pieces and the players at 170 pounds, you've got to find something for them to do, and there's got to be some pretty good rewards out there. Now, if that fight ends up not coming to fruition, is it much of a reward? Well, it's, it's a risk. It's a big risk, but there was a big honor and a big payoff with it. Yes, I think that satisfies a problem. I really think it does. And I knew this Burns-Woodley was coming in. So did you guys, right? I didn't have, like, some inside news. But a little bit of inside news, which was we're, we're lining up Submission Underground, and Burns was trying to get on it. Burns w- went after Nate Diaz, specifically. Burns was like, hey, I'll put up 200 grand. You put up 200 grand. Chael holds the money and get, winner takes all. I mean, something like this was Burns' suggestion. And the night before Burns put that out, I booked Usman on the card. Usman was going to grapple uh, Kelvin Gatslam. And UFC calls up and they go, look, saw the card. Love it. Love to see that, Matt. Here's the deal. We're going to book those guys at the very first of the year. And we just can't risk anything in a, in a grappling match. And don't forget the rules in grappling. You're only allowed to do two things. You are allowed to strangle and you're allowed to break limbs. There's nothing else within the rules. It is some of the most vicious rule. If you think about it in that regard, like it's this real f- fa- family fun event. Kids are there, you know, kids bouncing on mom's knee, watching Older brother, go out there and grapple him. It's one of these things, and I love the atmosphere, and I love the feel of it, but if you look at the rules, you can only do two things. You can choke a guy, or you can try to break his arm or leg. So when the UFC says, we don't want Gilbert on that card when we're going to book him, we don't want 
Kamara on the card when we're looking to book him. It's hard to disagree. It's not really one of those things where you go, oh, guys, come on, it's a grappling event. Aha, everybody's going to have fun. It's not. The UFC is too smart to fall for that anyway. I mean, it's one of these things. It hurts Submission Underground, but I was pretty happy that those guys are finally going to get this. Finally going to get I don't know why we we would put Kamara Usman on a shelf ever. I have no idea. And I I didn't like what was happening to Gilbert either. I mean, that guy worked his ass off and sacrificed to get to where he's at. Then he gets hit with COVID, 100% outside of his control. I mean, right, it's one of those things where every now and then in this sport, as cold as it can be, you've got to do some things with heart. Giving a guy like Gilbert his opportunity that he earned and missed through no fault of his own, you've got to have some heart. The UFC showed major heart. They were rebooking the match, rebooking it in February. I'm looking forward to it. Cowboy made an announcement that he is going to go back solely to 155 pounds. He's going to give it his all and put everything into this. Does Cowboy ever not? Like, did he, did he need to include this, I'm going to give it my all? Cowboy always gives it his all. I'm going to put everything into this. Yes, Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will, like you have for the last 20 years. I just thought it was great, though, because he's adding a clarity. This is what he's revealing to us. It's not a big revelation that he's going to go 155. We see him fight 55 all the time. We see him fight 170 all the time. The revelation is him saying, I understand. I've completed more than I'm still going to complete, right? I've had more matches and one more match that I'm going to have again. I want to be focused. I want to give myself the absolute best opportunity to put myself in a successful situation. And the very first thing I have decided to do is to isolate and zone in and live the life and have the discipline to make the weight class of 155 pounds. Step one. But that's a big step. That really is a big step. Having a weight class, you know, and maybe I'm coming, maybe I'm personalizing this too much. Maybe I am. But I did my finest work at 185 pounds. I had an opportunity to go 205 pounds. I took the opportunity. Life was a lot more fun. The sport was a lot more fun. But some of the byproducts of the discipline required to make 185 pounds, I'm now missing. I then have an opportunity to go to the heavyweight class. I mean, you're going to have some bumps in the road if you're trying to cover a spread like that. And I think that that is why I interpreted and appreciated what Donald was saying for what it really means, which is no more games. I don't know how this is going to go, but I am going to put myself in the best environment and the best situation for success, everything in. I really liked it, you know, and then in in line with that, RDA's going down. RDA was officially removed from the rankings at 170. He's back to 155. Great. But there's some interesting things happening. Now we've got Adesanya's going to move up to 205 pounds. I just think right now appears to kind of be the era the right time, if you will, to pick your weight classes. I'm waiting for Tyron Woodley to make his move. I don't know how much Tyron agrees with me, but I am waiting for him to make his announcement that he is going to 185. I see a path at 185 with a lot less bumps in the road than I do at 170, just particularly right now. I mean, not only the guys that Tyron would have to get through or the guys that he failed to get through or the guys that he eliminated when he had the time. I mean, he's been at the top. He has not walked out anything less than last 
in five years. He hasn't so much done a, a co-main event. But when you spend that much time in a division, you start to lack the parity. I'm, just, I'm offering it to you for parity reasons. Kelvin Gatslam showed us how effective you can be bumping up. St. Pierre came back, showed us how effective you can be bumping up. There's just generally something, particularly later in life, to moving up. So that fresh coat of paint, man, it'll, it'll clear his mind. It'll clear his mind like he never even imagined. He goes to bed. Tyron Woodley goes to bed every single night thinking about certain guys. Whoever he's got next, whoever he perceives he's going to have next, who he sees as the next up-and-comer. How would I do with this guy? It's just the way that it works. And over a period of time, you grind yourself down. There's nothing that can be done. He goes to bed, starts thinking about 85-pounders that he's never thought of before, ever. I mean, it's going to be a whole new game. It's going to be a whole new puzzle. It's going to relax him. It's going to refresh him. It's going to motivate him in ways that he, he has no idea until he actually does it. All those guys that 365 days a year, when you lay down on your pillow and you start playing these different scenarios through in your head, he will be playing new games with new scenarios with new guys. It seems like this is the era, the window, the month of guys changing and establishing weight classes. I'm waiting for T-Wood to make his move. All right, guys, long day. Looks like a good place to call it, but we'll be back on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Thanks for listening to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Look out! Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. The Michael Irvin Podcast, the MIP. Now the MIP exists. The MIP. Okay, I got to make sure you got something to show. What? Where's Michael? He's holding out. What do you mean he's holding out? <laughs> hey, it's the Playmaker. I ain't available right now. I said the Playmaker's not available for you. I will give you my Playmaker of the Week. Take the spotlight sometimes off of all these quarterbacks and put the spotlight on some of those guys that make the quarterbacks. T-I-R-E, put it together. T-I-R-E-D. I get tired. That's the love. That's my girl, but I love right there, What's that? Yeah, yeah. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. That's the Michael Irvin Podcast. I am the playmaker, Michael Irvin. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.